Thank you, Reverend Kim. It's a for honors, you know, very honorable um, words, but actually I'm not worthy of it. So to believe so, I, I'm not a good lecturer this morning. And all the time when I came back to a hotel, I thought that uh, I'm the one of the least because how did I do? It's like a, such a you know, greater things of God in a very limitations which I can uh, deliver very, uh, you know, just uh, short scale and very limited scale. But thank you for listening and I had a beautiful time last night and I had a beautiful time this morning at the Pastor Muniz's house. And it's such your honor and beautiful things that I have fellowship with uh, Reverend Q. Kim. Thank you so much, Pastor Kim. You're a wonderful friend of mine. Though you consider me as a friend of you or not, but it's no matter what. <laughs> and also thank you so much for your beautiful uh, 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 worship. Uh, we have the beautiful presence tonight. Uh, last night, I had a little time that I was not able to explain a lot. So tonight, so I'm going to have the, uh, some of the messages that I'm going to deliver. Uh, it's in conjunction with the message in the beginning day and this morning. So there are three topics. It's actually connected to all, and tomorrow will be the final, that uh, uh, the essence of Church of Christ uh, would be uh, in the time when the 10th anniversary is happening tomorrow. So let me give you uh, the time of the uh, passage readings if you open up your Bibles. I hope one of you could read our scripture reading, if you are willing. There's actually a uh, book of Acts, chapter 2, I believe. Versus uh, Reverend King, I think you know. Uh, I guess um, I have given unto you that the two readings uh, to X two. X two fourteen through twenty two. Yes. Abby, can you read? My one of my favorite authors. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 14, 22? 14 through um, 22. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Amen. Thank you for the beautiful scripture reading. Such a beautiful voice. I wish I had, but not a feminine voice. <laughs> uh, I want to share with you tonight about love allowed for you the Holy Spirit. This is an exciting topic in my life. And actually, I have been teaching in the class, uh, which is called the Global Pentecostalism, sometimes Global Christianity. Uh, at Gordon Connell, I have been in teaching, it's like over seven years on, on, the, on this topic. Sometimes I, I teach this course for just four semesters, so not on one semester. Because we need enough time to discuss and learn 
But I want to summarize the whole story. It's not such a big scale, but it's a little time. So, you know, our time is limited. So as we go over here, I want you to look at this, one of the portals that I can show you. In 2015, this actually released from the European Union. And, uh, you know, when I was in, in England in 2000, and uh, it's a lot of studies and the research had been done by the European Union, uh, which means to us that the uh, European society uh, are shifting a lot. So one of the biggest things that we uh, understand is actually the rise of Islam. You know, European Union had a big team of the academic scholars. Uh, you know, so they survey all over society in, in, in each country. Therefore, they expect the, uh, this picture someday because the, the great amount of the uh, immigrants coming from North Africa and also former British Empire, like Northern India and Pakistan, and you know, there's so many places. So like Sweden, I was the Malmo, that's the half the number of the city, the second largest city in Sweden, is the Muslim mayor, Muslim congressman, Muslim uh, political leaders. And the, uh, we know the Norway is Oslo, the many Bergens, a lot of Muslim immigrants, and then six millions the uh, Muslims in uh, Germany. So their name will be no more as German, but the country will be called New Turkey. And you know what? The uh, Britons, uh, because the Pakistani, so the more than 3.5 Pakistani, and more than 3 million from other countries, so all in all over 6.5 million Muslims. So that's the number. The English and the English Anglican communion uh, attendance one Sunday is not more than 3 million. Therefore, twice the number of the uh, believers in the church on Sunday are more Muslims now having in, in, in Britain. So it's a big issue. That the name that will know no more United Kingdom, there will be North Pakistan. And you know the uh, the France because the Algeria and was the former the French Empire we could Morocco and was the others called the uh, Tunis and Egypt so they they are all the uh, former the French colony therefore you know more like the Algerian so there's a six million Algerian right now in France therefore uh, France is the uh, France France has only one percent of Catholic attenders on Sunday. Just 1% in the, the latest uh, uh, statistics on that uh, shows less than 1% of church goers today in France. But however, more than 6 million Muslims on the mosque on Friday, therefore it's, uh, it's almost like you know, tripled than the numbers that the Catholic believers today. And not at all the... Algerians, but also other Muslims coming from all different areas in France. So the name will be changed, Islamic Republic of New Algeria. The another one is called in Spain, it was called the Moorish Empire, we call the Emirates of the Moor. So now in Spain, anywhere like, you know, the Valencia, Andalusia, the uh, uh, Madrid, and, you know, the Catalonia, so-called the, uh, we call Barcelona, in others, many cities, major cities, all occupied by the Muslim immigrants. Therefore, their Spain will be called the Moorish the Emirates of the Iberia. Nowadays, I was surprised because the first European Islamic state was Albania. But this Albania is actually the same people with Italian origin. Therefore, they, 
they can communicate where their ethnic origin same. Albanian emigration living in, in, in Italy is calling, they are more uh, spreading the uh, Islamic belief. Therefore, Italy will not be no longer, but there will be Albanian confederate. So that's uh, sooner or later, it's going to happen. And also, Russia will be no longer Russian the federation, but it will be called Greater Chechnya. And uh, as you know, the so many uh, European countries turning into Islamic states someday. I wonder, in 10 years now, probably more later, this is going to really happen. So it's not from me, because you know it's very academic studies from the European unions. I have more than 100 articles about it. There's so many deep discussions, the Turkish migrants, the, uh, we call the Albanian migrations and the, uh, you know, the Mauritian and others. So it's really happening in European society. So there will be no more Europe, but it will be Arabia. You know, so the, not the cross, but the crescents will occupy the, all of the states in the European Union out of the 43 states. And the Eiffel Tower is no longer, it's actually like Eiffel Tower is going to be called Mosque. So we worry about the Islamic expansions beginning from 1900, actually, all of the world. There are only 250 million Muslims. That's not the big numbers. Only the 6% of the global population at the time. Nowadays, we have 1.8 billion. It's outnumbering any other faith in the world next to the Christians. Therefore, it is the biggest rival to the Christianity, but we are not strong enough to have, because as I told you this morning, that the Christian population on earth right now, two billion, but one billion Catholic, and 240 Orthodox, and then 700 million Protestant believers. Therefore, we are not big enough to fight against the Islamic religion. This is the 2017, and as you know, 2030 is the uh, Islamic State will be occupied more like the uh, Russian Confederate, European Union, and in many other places. And then in 47, the many countries will be expanded by Islamic faith. And 48, at the end of the 49, they will live the entire world except a few countries like Nigeria and some other Mozambique and, you know, the... Kenya, and this, the uh, archipelago in the uh, South Pacific, and the uh, Panama and El Salvador, except few countries, 90% of the entire nation will belong to Islam. That's their targets. So, modern day will be lived like Christian missionaries and theologians and the, the Christian pastors converting into Islamic religion. If you know the 9-11 in uh, 2001, you remember that in this country, in the United States, we had only 500,000 Muslims. But 2018 now, we have 18. Uh, that's the 18. So what? Uh, that's the 18 uh, uh, million. So that's I have another statistics. It's like it's the the greatest uh, the growth of the Islamic population take place in the United States after the 9-11. So I have detailed scale of the study, but I'm not going to tell you. So when, while we are worshiping, the enemy is not sleeping. The enemy is not there just like watching over us. 
enemy is more advancing against our faith. Therefore, we are living in a like spiritual warfare. And so, as I told you this morning, that the, every 500 years that are happening, the great shiftings. But in beginning of the 1985, the shifting take place again in 2000 years history. That the, again, the southerners, the global southerners, we call the global south. You know, it's outnumbering over the Western society. So then now, by 70%, non-Westerners believers among the global Christians in the whole world. So the 1899%, the Christians living in, in the West, in 1990%, in 1985, 50-50. In 2017, 70%. 2080, now, in our statistics, at 73%. So almost outnumbering 73% of Christians living in in non-Western area. So that's, you know, the biggest issues we had. So today, the World Mission Force Tour, so beginning from the 1900, 90% of missionaries coming from the Western world. Nowadays, some of the things happening beginning from 1981 to 1985 and 1986, this period of time, we call the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, something changing, shifting. So here we could see is taking, and then probably will be live more than 70% right now, and then it goes. So what's going to see here in the world right now by 2010, but, the, you know, 2018 is much more. In South Pacific, the Christian revival is taking place, and Latin America, you know, in 1900, less than 0.1% of the person believers in Latin America because of the restrictions of any Protestant believers coming into the land. So, except the Belitz, that's the uh, British colony, Jamaica, that's a British, uh, British uh, the sugarcane plantation, except few countries. But the most of the countries in Latin America prohibiting have any Protestant missionaries coming into the land. Therefore, we never seen any revival before 1900. But in the dawn of the 1900s, something happening, like the Belém in Brazil, like the Valparaiso in Chile, and also the Buenos uh, Aires in Argentina. In all those the countries, like 1901, 1907, 1909, 1909, 1910, so Rigi Francisca in Argentina in 1909, and the Garabin in Brazil in 1909, and the, uh, we call the Willis Hoover, the uh, Methodist uh, medical doctor missionary to Chile, Valparaiso in Chile. So that's in 1909, revival took place. So that revival was a very seemingly small, very limited amount. But after 100 years, the entire continent changed. So I went to Valparaiso just five months ago, and I went, you know, to every state in the Latin America, I see the greater harvest. You know, it's like the little planting seed revival, now we are seeing the harvest. You know, God is really lifting the harvest all over the states in the uh, Latin America. So, however, we call the uh, horizontal transfer, meaning Catholic to Protestants. So the many countries like the uh, Guatemala, you know, there is no more Catholic uh, president, you know, it's already third term of the uh, Protestant uh, uh, presidents, and so the Senate and the Congress, all of them, the more than the half numbers of the Protestant believers, and the state house, the palace becomes the house of prayer in Guatemala. 
But the Guatemala president is got accusation by the others that he is in jail right now because of the corruption. However, you know, still the uh, palace is running for uh, as house of prayer. And also, you see the uh, El Salvador and Panama and in the Argentina and Brazil and Chile and Peru. So many countries, you know, actually the actual believer in the church, the person believers church, are the more than the Catholic attendance now. There's the greatest revival is taking place in Latin America. And then you see the also here the, in Africa, dramatic change. In 1900, in statistics says that the uh, Muslims by 9%, and the believers in Africa was by 6%, meaning so Muslims outnumbering over the Christian population. But you know, if there is no Christian movements in, in Africa, probably all of the African continent would belong to Islamic states. Because everywhere, you know, there's all Islamic uh, traders, the traders who are called the missionaries. So it, it would have been everywhere, like the West Coast, East Coast, and the Southern area, and all over. And then Saharan Desert's S expansion complete joined by the uh, Islamic traders. So, however, the little things, the uh, record the revival seed, giant movement in uh, South Africa, we call the, um, you know, in Western Africa, we call the Zambia, Republic of Congo, and the uh, Nigeria and Ghana. These, those countries actually have the little things of the prayer movements. So we call the AIC, the African Initiative Churches. So it, it's, it's a little beginning by African themselves. So there are prayer movements coming from there, and then in Africans, uh, you know, they don't know what to do, but they believe in the supernatural power. Then when the First and Second World War took place, and the moratorium of the mission movements declared by the Western world, because they don't have any power, they don't have any, uh, also any finances, therefore the Western countries, the America and Europe, after the Second World War, they had default, or other one, the missionary the moratorium. So 99% missionary withdrew from the mission field. So any country in Africa, you cannot see any Westerners because they come back. And also, otherwise they died by the, the Second World War. And then, after that, something happened. And that's we call it the African Revival. The Eastern Coast, Western Coast, Southern Coast, and everywhere I have tons of tons of story and story. And by my eyes, I can show you also a lot of horrors, but you know. So beginning from 6% Christian population, now Africa by nine, uh, 40, 49%, almost 50%. In my opinion, that's the greatest. We have never experienced such a blessings and revival in any other countries in Africa than any other continents in the world. So therefore, we see here today is in sub-Saharan desert. Sub-Saharan Africa is, if you ex exclude this area, probably 70% of the African nations evangelized. And also, no Catholic majority nation in those countries. That's amazing. So, it seems like you're not amazed yet. <laughs> You know, I'm, I've been traveling, and then I, I, I always give my question to the Lord. Lord, what am I doing? What can I say? What, what, what am I also researching, and what am I, what am I analyzing to do those things that I'm seeing it? 
And, and I said to the Lord, likewise you prayed a while ago, the Lord, open my eyes to see it. Open my eyes how you walk. Open my ears how I hear the, 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 the operation that you are doing in the world. You know, the sound operation, the angelic operation, heavenly operation, spiritual operation. You know, the many people cannot see it. The many, many people cannot hear it. Many people, even though something happening here, the not a lot of you understand that there is something going on. Because the whole world is changing, but you are not aware. You know, you are living in a complex zone. You are very living in a complex zone, and then you, know, you never know what's going on in other countries. But, you know, God is there, walk there, and it's an amazing thing happening, but you don't know. There is a power operating. There is also a rainfall there of the Holy Spirit. There is something amazing manifest in the Holy Spirit. We are not aware of that. We are not, we never, never heard about it because no proclaimer, because all of the scholars coming from the Western world, all of the academicians coming from the Western world, all of the observers are eliminating supernatural power and they say that simply church grows, but in the core is not the manifestation outwardly, but the core is actually inwardly the manifestation of the Holy Spirit among many people because conversions are taking place. Have you ever heard any conversion in the history of the European and American Christianity? We are inherited as Christians from the father's and mother's side. We never think that encountering with the Christ, in tearing out, saying, the Lord, I am the sinner, and I, I repent my sin, and then just come forward and come unto my life, and I hope you wash my sins away by the blood of the Lamb, how many of you pray like that because you are Anglican, Presbyterian, Reformed, the Methodist, and the uh, Baptist, and others? By tradition, you become Christian, but never had any conversion. But all those countries in, in, in Africa and Latin America, you know, the church cross never done by any inheritance of tradition, but by the conversion. That's a secret. The church is a meeting place. The church must be also a meeting place with Christ, not a meeting place with the beautiful God and man. <laughs> the church isn't to be the place of hearing the message alone, but actually it is a place of meeting with the Christ. We should encounter the Christ, the loving God, the beautiful God, and the, uh, you know, the manifest thing going on because he's there. He is in our hearts, he is in our mind, and we can handle, we can just have him right now because he can come anytime if you call on him. How many of you want to call on him right now? Amen. Thank you. But so those who are not raise their hands, it's, it's up to you now. I don't care about it. <laughs> so, the each country, if I make the, every story in detail, you know, is thousands of thousand hours that I did it. So I cannot do that. I love to teach every time. I love to teach every continent, you know, all the time. So lovable what I teach my history class of the Christianity in Africa. Today, African people, they cry. What I teach the history of Latin America, in Latin America, they cry. But what I teach about history of African and Latin American church in America, no one cried. So I don't understand why it's happening here. You know, because it's their story. But I hope that it should be our story here. I pray for American revival. 
I pray for the offering of the Holy Spirit once again in the land in America. I pray once again the Lord is going to touch the land and our hearts so that the land will be fertile in the air, raised from the Holy Spirit, and again there will be revival that people will go to the mission field and then finish off the harvest. That's my prayer. Brethren, if you're looking at this, the amazing map, although the advance of the Islamic expansion is doing well, however, we Christians all over in Africa and Latin America, something happening that newer and younger and, you know, less unexpected generation coming from this land and the second largest missionary force countries, now more Korea, now Brazil. 34,000 missionaries coming out of the Brazil. And they expect next year 50,000. And then another one is following by China because they want to send out to a million missionaries. It's not about 100,000 missionaries all over the world, 460. And you know, some of them say that according to the Center for the Global Christianity at Gordon Connell, 425, it depends on how you say Patrick Johnson and Gordon Connell. However, you remember the 425 and 160, but you know, that's including the Catholic missionaries. But as far as the uh, Persian missionaries are concerned, 160. And out of that, we have this 85 missionary coming from America alone. And the second largest country is Brazil, and then Korea is 29,000. So less than 30,000. So now the mission movements are changing. But if you're looking at the numbers of the missionaries coming from the United States, the half the number of the missionaries coming from the United States no longer white. Is they are mostly like with Asians and Latinos and African Americans. It's an amazing thing happening here now. We know next 10 years. You know, I don't know the 65,000 missionaries coming from the United States. You know, if you break down the number of the ethnicity in the next 10 years, and perhaps maybe it's by 60 or 70 percent non white. So it's really happening and it's going to happen. So please see how God moves the world. You know, don't, you know, this morning I said that I'm very proud who am I. I'm very proud of what kind of people I am coming from my ethnic background. Probably it would have been limited if I was born in 100 years ago. Probably I am always in the uh, so edge of the society. Maybe the, uh, like I'm living in all my ethnic enclaves. But now, because I am Asian, I like it. You know, whether you have the flat nose or not, you know, flat forehead, you know, no care about it. But I love it. Why? Because today, the God scattered every ethnicity all over the world. And then he is beginning to reap in harvest. So it's a new way. That's the first century done. The palace ticker says same things. You know, we are living in the 21st century, but every 500 years, the greatest shifting happened. And then in 21st century, it's not comparable in the previous 500 years of the shiftings. Why she said that? She's saying it's because of one of the elements that the 21st century is like a first century. The first century is a new way of the mission movement from Jerusalem. It's everything new. The receiving power of the Holy Spirit is new in Jerusalem. Sending out the missionaries is new. And the prayer is new. The teaching, the worship service is new. And every fellow is new. Everything is new in the 21st century. Everything is new. We are not going to have any more American teacher. We are not going to have any European scholar. We are not going to have any, any more of the traditional denominational leaders. But you know, we will do our own. And you know, there will be a new leadership. 
So that's the body of the Holy Spirit. If we are living in like a first century. So if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, God is going to do. And you know, God is leading us into the new dimension. That's the Phyllis Dicker says. That, you know, it's the, uh, according to her book, The Great Emergence. She said that we are living in the first century now. So no more European tradition we needed. No more Christian traditions in America we need. You know, we are living in a new dimension that ever happened before. So, here, the God is calling another word. My heart is actually this morning, I said, the seven things that we have experienced the major shiftings in the history of the 2000 church Christianity. The Christianization, first era of the Christian era in the Western society, and the expansion of Islam and in the former communist bloc, the fall of the communism in the former Soviet Union and others, and the China as rising star, and majority world Christianity in the global south and east, and then another one is the rise of the Pentecostal movements. So over the 700,000 Pentecost, uh, the Protestant believers, we have now 800,000 Pentecostals. It's already outnumbering what's going on all over the world. Because God is not having any problem to coming into dream of the Pope. Even the Armenian bishop. So in Armenian bishop received the uh, invitation and vegetation of Christ in his dream. And it converted into person believers. And so many things happening because there is no any boundary, there is any limitation. I was in Lagos, I was also teaching the five nations actually coming from Myanmar, Vietnam, and in Cambodia, Laos, and in the, uh, Thailand. And then the missionary coming from Myanmar, oh, we couldn't do anything. Because the highest monk in Myanmar had a vegetation of Christ in his dream. And then he saw himself that he was falling into the fire of hell. So he saw himself that he was still in, in, in a wrong fire of the hell. Then he cried out, save me, save me. And Jesus appeared unto him. Then this is only vision. It's not the realization. But this vision we don't know. So he cried out and Jesus appeared to call on my name. So what is your name? My name is Jesus Christ. He called on the name of Jesus Christ. So he called out Jesus Christ and then immediately came out of the hall. Then when he came out of the hell and what happened to him and Jesus taught him every night in the dream. So he accepted the Lord in his dream but in, in daytime when he awake and he didn't know what to do. Because he had never experienced any missionary in church, any single account with any Christian people in his town because he's the highest monk of the Buddhist society in Myanmar. So what happened? He called on every highest Buddhist monk. He's like a president of the Buddhist society in Myanmar. He shared what he saw, the dream, about Jesus Christ. And what happened? Missouri of the Buddhist monk kicked him, kicked him out. So he was outcasted with a lot, of, a lot of followers. We don't know how many. So we are still looking for him. So amazing things really happening. Not only one, but you know something. You know, Jesus doesn't have any boundary. Jesus doesn't have any, any limitation. I wish I have that power, but I may not. I have the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I have the power, name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I have the power of the Lord in my prayer. There's someone use more, someone much more, someone maximize, someone never. 
someone never used. So I hope you will use the name of the Lord much more. Amen. More than ever from now on. So here we see the uh, Pentecostal movement. It's not like what you see. As I travel all over, oh my goodness, this is real things. This is real things. Don't find yourself in doctrine. Don't find yourself in, in a tradition. Don't find yourself anything like that you have, you know, awkwardly or logistically or rationally, whatever. You know, the Lord is beyond the rationality. The Lord is beyond of the erotic. The Lord is beyond of the knowledge and experience. The Lord is beyond of your lifetime. He is more than a thousand years. And, you know, that's why you have to accept the power of the Lord right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. The email is much bigger than yesterday. <laughs> I thought that, you know, all of the calm people living in this church <laughs> yesterday, when I shared the words, and I thought that there's always calmest people, <laughs> silent people, that never respond to any uh, message. And I thought that I, I was not able to sleep last night. I thought, you know, I deliver wrong. So 3 o'clock, I was awake, and then, Lord, what did I wrong? I cannot go back to this church because no, no reaction come, coming from the members. I'm not going to do that, Lord. So please, please. And I had Pastor Kim because, oh, oh, why, why did he invite me? At 3 o'clock this morning, I cried out. You don't need to say hallelujah at this moment. <laughs> Brethren, let's welcome the coming of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's welcome the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He will make you free. He will set you free. He will give you power and authority. No one else can take away from you. You know, believe it, another one, I told you this morning, the diaspora power. You know, diaspora power is amazing. All the leaders right now in, in World Evangelical Lighters, the Rosanne movements, you know, the, all of the Christian leadership, the weightlifting, oh, amazing things happening. All Asians, all the non-white now. I don't know, in the next 10 years, probably it's going to be very hard to take a look at the white leaders. It's really changing you. So likewise, what God trained Daniel Neumeyer in the land, the foreign land, there's special purpose, bicultural, multicultural, bi-generational. It's a great purpose. The diaspora is, which I'm calling it, the blessed generation. You know, you don't understand why you live because, you know, your parents come in, and you know, otherwise, you know, others, your ancestors come in, but in this land, God made like a Roman empire. And God is going to do once again in the United States for the great purpose, that's which I believe. And then there is a great spiritual deposit in your blood if you are diaspora. But if you're pure white, I'm sorry to say, but otherwise have, you know, much more like 20 generations up there, you're still diaspora at the time. So diaspora leadership is very important for us. So these are the major changes that we call the great shiftings in the history of the 2000 Christianity. So last night, and I shared the little things, but I didn't finish up, but I actually say that the, uh, the beginning of the last days, actually, is begun by Jerusalem. That's the uh, birth of Christianity, birth of church, birth of uh, believers, 
begun by prayer in Jerusalem. That's a beginning moment. And the last day, it will be finished off in Jerusalem. The beginning moments is in Jerusalem and Israel. And the last moments, we call it yesterday, I said that there is the true error in the last days. There is the beginning moments of the last days. That's the first advent of Christ. And then there is the last days of the last days. That's the final line. The final line is called second advent of the Messiah. That's the second advent of Christ will be the final moments that there will be no more Gentile period. There will be no more any, anything left behind, yet only hand per number of the Jewish people that they have to go through the tribulation. That's yesterday I said the Jacob's tribulation. The Jacob's tribulation is not for us, the Gentiles, for the Israelites who disobey, so that they may have one more chance to come back to the Lord. And I am so amazed that this Jewish communication over here, New Testament believers, is amazing. The God is going to do a lot of amazing things. So here, the destruction of Jerusalem is the beginning point. The Lord spoke that, you know, Gentile period is begun by the destruction of Jerusalem. But this is one hand is a blessing to Gentile. On the other hand, it says it's a curse. Why? Which I believe because the roots is rooted in, in Hebrewism. Meaning, the every tradition, sacrifice, tabernacle, temple, sacrifices, and law, and even the prophecies in the Old Testament is coming out of the Jewish root. So we have Jewish root. You know, the 12 apostles are Jewish people. You know, the old disciples and the followers of Christ, the Jewish people in Jerusalem. That's Jewish root. And the every uh, uh, Bible words of Jesus Christ can be explained according to Jewish tradition not the uh, Stoic philosophy or any Roman architectural design. Therefore, we see this Jewish roots is the foundation of Christianity. But the uh, 70 when General Titus, the son of the Vespasius, the Vespasius was the emperor when there was a rebellion against Nero in Rome, Nero suicide himself then. What happened if Aspasius is seated in Jerusalem in 68 and then he heard the rebellion so he returned to Rome and he became emperor. And then his son, the Tyrus, young man, took over the leadership. And he's the one actually seated on the Jerusalem castle over two years. Then we call it the uh, 13th and 14th, between the 13th and 14th of Abitman. That's the same month in 786 BC, the by Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, destroyed the city of Jerusalem. Same time, Abib, you know, 9th and 10th. Why do I say that? 9 and 10th. That's between 9 and 10th. That's the, the destruction of Jerusalem <coughs> took place in the time of Babylonian. So now in 1770, they never counted with the Jewish calendar. That was destruction happened. Because when Tyrus, his father, became an emperor, he's a general, young man. So he's waiting on the coming of the diaspora of Jewish, you know, back to Jerusalem in order to, you know, feast in the, uh, the uh, festival. 
Then two years, more than a million, we call one million one hundred seventeen thousand. So that's a big number. So one point one hundred seventeen thousand members are actually coming into the city of Jerusalem. They never coming out. Then they seize it perfectly and they kill them as massacre style. So survivors only seventeen thousand. No other cattle, no other dogs, no other people, no other, you know, the pregnant woman survived. And that's a real story that, according to historian philosophers, say that the women who are pregnant eating their babies, the people eating the skulls of the other crops, and even the people eating the leather of their shoes. It's not like this, but you know, the leather of the shoes. And people blinded because of no vitamin in their eyes. So more than a million people killed in the city of Jerusalem. That's the destruction of Jerusalem. That's the beginning of the Gentile. We are living from the blessings of the Gentile era. However, it's, a, it's a begun by the tragedy of the Jewish people. Because it's a Jewish people you know, disappeared. The Jewish people swept over. What the Emperor Vespasio said that you know, let's scoop the rebellious Jewish people out of the land in Palestine and just put it into the Mediterranean Sea. The meaning that you know Jewish people are rebellious, they are very uh, aggressive, they are not obedient to the Roman Empire. Therefore, they are also number one target of their national empire enemy. Then they want to kill them all, but you know. Only the Passover and others, they are coming back to the land. They know that's why they open up the gate when they're going in. But they know they were allowed coming out. They, in this way, over two years time period, they just imprisoned more than a million people there and killed them all. More than a million. This tragedy is a tragedy of Christianity too. Because we are not able to have any more the teachers. Because when you read our Bible, sacrifice and traditions and law of Moses, you know, the uh, meaning of the uh, uh, tabernacles and temples, the way we worship the uh, Hebrew, we call Jewish uh, singing and in hymnal, the way we, we worship in, in the uh, Beipa means the Minyan, you know, 10 people gather together in prayer. We never had any tradition. So Jewish tradition stopped and disconnected from the time that this destruction of the Jerusalem occurred. Therefore, we didn't have any tradition, you know, so when you see the Western scholars like European theologians, they made a nonsense story, meaning it's like they used the Stoic philosophy, they used Aristotle's philosophy, they used the Plato's philosophy, they used the, uh, the mythology of the Greeks, they used also Roman gods and goddess name, you know, the, we call the Christmas coming from the Roman goddess Jupiter, you know, the Easter coming from the Estero german goddess in the Nile uh, uh, the what do you call the uh, uh, line liver, not nine liver, I'm sorry, in German. So that's the name of goddess. In the spring, the, the goddess rises up once again, that resurrected. The name is Estero. That's the, in English exactly translation, literally, Easter, Estero. We inherited all the mythology of the Western one. When you believe that's a Christian, no, never have any Easter as a Christian. We never had a Christmas as Christian. You know, we never, you know, the name of the old saints coming from the mythology basis, Venus, Venus, you know, the Aphroditus and, you know, Jews. That's the, uh, the, the, even God is Jews. It's not originally coming from the Bible. We never found any name. Even the name of Jesus is, is no way we have been originated. The name of Jesus is Yehoshua or Yeshua. Whether you can have the name of Jesus. 
There is no relation. It's coming from German language. German language was said, but they, 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 there's no any connection to the original Hebrew scriptures. So, you know, we have a lot of disconnection, but the people don't know. Oh, we have profound theology of Western and European. Please, coming out of the, this nonsense, please. <laughs> so, this destruction of Jerusalem. It's the beginning of the tragedy for Gentiles as well. Although we receive the grace of God, yet no, no master, no teacher, no people who can say the story. And that's why we say the Clement of Alexandria used the story of the Stoic philosophy, and even he made allegories, meaning allegory. Do you know Isop allegory? Do you know the story of Isop? He used Isop's story into biblical parable. And I was very mad. Oh my goodness. They use all Greek mythology. You know, in, in Egypt, modern day Lebanon, modern day Syria, modern day in Turkey, they have the same story of Adonis, meaning that long ago there was a loving son. Uh, the loving son was actually growing up enough. And then when grow up enough, but he was actually, you know, delivered into the enemy's hands and asked adopted son. So he has become fully grown up, and then after he returned to the land, and the land, the enemy, is actually his own land, but he just conquered the land, and then he made the queen as his wife, but the, the queen is actually his mother. That's we know the seminary story in Babylonia. This is the Adonis story. This is actually with Isis story in Egypt. This is a story where we have the Aphrodite story in Ephesus. So when people heard about Jesus, they think that this is the manifestation of God as a goddess. So they intermingling the story of their mythology into Christian Christ. So if you're digging in this history, in my book, I, I'm telling a lot because you see, America is hard to find, but in Europe, millions of books, millions, everywhere you can find. In Europe, you see the every traces. So that's why I say, is every European Christian and Christian? Is every European Christian and Christian? Because never have Christianized before. Europe has never been had any experience to Christianization. We have one question. Europe didn't know about Christ. Europe never had any, any confession on Christ. So we have to think about reformatting the Reformation, what is meaning for the Reformation to the European. So that's why we are living like a first century. Brethren, let's start again from the ground zero. Don't think that your background is right because, you know, a lot of the fake news always makes you very prosperous. But do you know when you believe the truth in the Bible? It will open your eyes, then you will see the truth. The truth will set you free. Amen. Amen. So here, the second thing is that the destruction of the Jerusalem in the Palestinian land is also the beginning of the Gentile era. But yesterday I said that you know this is Gentile time, and then the, at the end of the last days there will be the second coming of Christ. Therefore, you know the signs in heaven. Wonders on earth. Today, we live in a passage. 
And according to Prophet Joel, please pay attention to Prophet Joel's prophecy according to the, what Apostle Peter interpreted. He is literally interpreted. When he saw the Pentecost in Jerusalem, people are made, what's going on here? People speaking in different languages, people were prophesying, people were here, people were experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. They never known. You know, in the Old Testament, they don't know what is the experience of the power of the Holy Spirit. They never thought that the presence of the Holy Spirit is possible on us. They never thought, but you know, now they're seeing it because, you know, diaspora coming from Mesopotamia, Egypt, you know, some Far East and some others, not Far East or Near East. You know, because I want to test you that you're listening to me. <laughs> Sometimes I'm testing you. Just be careful because some of you are Far East. It never happened to Far East before. Okay? So, Near East. You know, they speak all different languages. But the people begin to speak different languages. It's not the Glossolalia, Senosolalia. In Hebrew, it was the Senosolalia, meaning other languages. Glossolalia speaking tongue is, is speaking in other tongues. Senosolalia meaning is other language. So in Acts, it's not speaking in tongue. It's speaking in other languages. That's what the Greek says. Please don't make me stop. You know, so believe that when the Spirit coming down, you speak the Tagalog, you speak the Chinese, it's Mandarin, you speak in Thailand, Mandarin, you speak in the um, Hispanics, in, you know, the all different languages. That's actual things happening. So people don't know what's going on here because, you know, Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it will be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the end of the world and then you will evangelize all of the world. But you know what happened when they pray about, you know, 40 days and then what happened 10 days after a while when Jesus left, 40 days he stayed and 10 days of prayer. Then what happened? You know, the Spirit coming down like a fire, like a wind, like a wind wind you know, in this place. It's not big enough for them, but, you know, they experience, and then they don't know what to interpret. Because it never happened before. It's never experienced before, because can't you say that Moses experienced like that? Can't you say that David experienced like that? Can't you say that Solomon experienced like that? Even David experienced like that. Can't you say any one example in the Old Testament? No. And then if there is no any legal interpretation available from the scripture, this is false. It's a big challenge. So Apostle Paul stood up and said, brethren, listen. And he said, this is according to prophet Joel in the last days. I talked about last day last night. The last day has two elements. The, the messianic expectation coming from Olam Haba and Olam Hazeh. So same now, now. But the Olam Haba is now is waiting for real Olam Haba. So Olam Haba is now, but it's no longer, it's the temporary, it's a permanent. Forever, everlasting, no end, no limitation, no boundary. Timeless, timeless. You know, it's like a greatest time, the expense of the time. So we know here today that he said for us, now, see in my words, Olam Haba. The Lord Jesus spoke on the Aramaic many times on Lababa. When the Samaritan woman came to him and he said that, Oh, your ancestors were worshiping in Jerusalem, but we Samaritan worshiping in Mount Crims. We worshiping in a different land. You know, how do you worship? Because when Messiah come. And then Jesus says that, What you are seeing it is him. It's me. Exactly after who you are seeing it. 
the person you are looking for is me. He pinpointed himself. And they say that, first time in Aramai, Olam Haba. That's the meaning, now. Now is the time to worship, not in Jerusalem, not in Mount Graham, in Samaria, but by the Spirit and truth. But by the Spirit and truth. Then he explained to the disciples after a while, when they saw, he was dialoguing with the Samaritan woman, oh, why do you dare they ask Jewish people to speak here like the dog-like people, Samaritan? And Jesus says, look this. You are no longer under darkness. You are always under the sun while I am with you. The time of God is broken down. There is no more Lamazir. There is no waiting time. There is no loving time. There is no waiting on the coming of the Lord. As long as we receive Jesus Christ as a Messiah, and he came into the eternity in our life, and there is no more death, although physical death will be available, but someday will be resurrected, and the death will come back as a resurrected body, and everyone will also will be transfigured. That's like what Jesus experienced, transfiguration. Therefore, we are no longer like a physical person. We can go all over the universe. We can go any time being any, no more, much better than the world of transcendence. Much better than the world like, you know, transfiguration. Our bodies no longer belongs to flesh. Our spirit is not decaying. Our memory is not going to be dismantling. But our body no longer decaying. But we are living in a eternity. Sorry, boy. <laughs> she was so surprised, I'm sorry. But she's not crying anymore, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, brethren, Jesus brought eternity into us. So then this we have the eternity in him. That's the word the Gero. When he says about the uh Nazaro. And he was waiting on three, two days more until the third days. So the Maria, Mary was very angry at him because Jesus didn't come and because he didn't lay on him and then pray for. So Martha came out and went, oh Jesus, my brother would not be died if you come over. And so he said that, you know, why, why, why did you come late? She was very angry. And Mary is such a very, uh, like, narrow-minded girl. <laughs> Why should she just come? Because she didn't love me. You know, something like that. So I don't know how many of you do this. Because when there is no answer from God, you're like a stubborn girl. And then say, the Lord, you know, how long do I need to wait? Because there is a purpose of the Lord. So uh, Jesus came into the house. And, and Mary came out. And then... She was very still upset and said that, Jesus, you can't leave. And then I said, I am the life and the resurrections. If you believe in me and there will be no death, then there will be a resurrection. And she said, that, yes, I believe. In the day of the resurrection, my brother will live again. No, 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 that's not the case. He wants us to share, he wants to show the meaning of the eternity, the meaning of the uh, resurrection. Resurrection is not simply our body will be resurrected. 
That's why he brought the cloud into the tomb and he said, Now they're coming out. And immediately coming out, a lot of people made his power that the Nazareth was resurrected. Can you believe what the scripture says? Jesus was very angry at them. In, in, in original world, he was not happy with them. Why? Please, in the last days, a lot of deception will come in. Deception. The people say that this is my world, this is the right teaching, this is... However, you know, if you see a lot of teachings there, but they say there's no power. There's no salvation. There's, you know, a lot of people say, oh, this, I got the very sound doctrine from my institution, my denomination, etc. If there is no discernment, it's going to be very forcefully doing. So, this is the same thing happening when Jesus said, a lot of people pay attention to whether Jesus has power to resurrect or otherwise heal the Nazareth. But Jesus is not interested on the Nazareth's disease. He's not interested about the cancer. He's not interested about disease. He's not interested about the poor people. He's not interested about any lepro leprosy. He's interested about the eternity of the single individual, all of the people. Eternity, not the, like 10 years of healing of the cancer, not about your you know, skin uh, you know, turning back to 10 years ago. That's not the case what Jesus is interested in. But he interested that he wants to bring the life, eternity, into every single individual. But the people around there, even Mary, Martha, and all of the Jewish people, pay attention. Is Nazareth rising again? Is Nazareth resurrecting again. But Jesus, no, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Joy and the gero. So Jesus never said the resurrection Nazareth as a gero. A gero is full of expensive life. That's the time of the Ulamaba. So I'm not going to say a lot of the uh, theological profound teaching, teaching here today, but you know, there are deep meanings as far as the Jewish world is concerned. I hope that this church world is having good relations with Messianic Jews. But the problem is, like, Messianic Jewish people don't know also. That's, that's a real problem then. They are disconnected as well. So it's Jewish roots in America, Jewish roots in Europe, quite different now. So there are a lot of disconnections anyway. So here, the restoration of Israel between the time in when the Jesus comes, like the Gentile understand the life of Jesus. As long as you believe in Christ, you have eternal life. As long as you receive Christ's namesake, and you will be living once again eternally. So therefore, here in the time of the, the pro, the reconfirmation that Jesus is the Yeshua HaMashiach, Yeshua HaMashiach, not only for the Gentile, but also for his own people, Jewish nation. He wants to rescue the nation. That's what we call the several steps. So, I want to share the little things here. The Jewish nations, actually, this was the act uh, done by, we call the uh, uh, several, several things happening in France and in Germany and Switzerland, you know, when uh, Jewish people were outcasted society. In 1492, there was a great expression coming out of the Iberian Peninsula, which is called the Moorish Company. Empire. The Hispanic, we call Espana, uh, expelled more than a million Jewish people. Columbus came over here, this we call the Jamaica, uh, uh, Hispaniola, Hispaniola is modern day Haiti and Dominica. 
we Jewish prisoners. Because those who reject, accept the Catholicism, they became prisoners of the ship. And that's why the first the people who landed here in this American continent are actually Jewish people in 1492 and 1493. It's four times in Hispaniola. So Jewish people were outcasted in all of the uh, Euro European continents, also in uh, Africa and in Asia. So we have the Eskenazim, meaning the white, the Eastern European Jewish people, the Sephardim, meaning the uh, uh, Hispanics. And then there is also Yemenites. We are for living in 2,000 years in the Yemen's Cape. And then there is also the Afghanistanis, Pakistani Jewish, because they're coming out of the Manasseh. And also there are a lot of Jewish people we call the Halasha. That's the Ethiopian Jews, because when Solomon met up with the Queen of Sheba, so she fell in love with her. Then the bore a son, the name the Menelik. Menelik in Hebrew was Mamluk, but that's the Hebrew version of the Ethiopian Abyssinian language version. So therefore, the uh, Menelik the first was the born out of the uh, Solomon's and King Sheba. So she bore a son in, in the back in Sheba. We call the Aksumites Empire in, in Yemen and modern-day Ethiopia. So then his son, her son, was grown up the ass at the age of the 28. So he brought the son back to Jerusalem, Solomon meeting it with him, and he was very happy. The only the mixture. So the, uh, if you're looking at the Ethiopians, uh, uh, Middle Eastern looking with the complex skin. So they are only different, unique, and very different people. So, and Solomon said that, son, you can be my heir after my throne. But you know, he was able to consult with mother. And Shiva said, Aksumite kingdom, Aksumite empire is much greater than the, the uh, Israel. Why do you want to be an heir after your father? Why don't you go back? So, generously, he rejected the offer. And then, when he divided the land, but there are many stories. You know, I have tons of stories, archaeological discoveries, a lot. You know, make long story short, you know. So, Solomon chose every 1,005 men from each tribe. So 12,000 people out of the 12 tribes of Israel. We have lost 12 tribes now. We have only the handful number of Jewish people, the tribe of Judah. And very small number of Benjamin. And that's a little number. And then it's tiny number of the priesthoods, the Aaronites. Therefore, we are not able to have a lot of the uh, 12 tribes, mostly by 90% Jewish people out of Judah. So that's, you know, we are not called that actually 12 tribes of Israel. That's just we call Jewish people. But in back in, in Ethiopia, there are all tribes, you know, when Israeli governments uh, blood tested they perfectly preserved the 12 tribes' DNA, the Manasseh, Prime, and, and you know, the, all different kinds of DNA. So it's the only perfect number because the 12,005 men of Israelites and they went into the land of Ethiopia, this which is called the Aksumite Empire, and intermarried. It's a perfect marriage because all men came, 12,000 men, no women followed. Therefore, women of the Israelites the, uh, the women of the Ethiopia and the men of the Israelis intermarried. That's what we call Halasha Ethiopian Jews. Uh, that's they returned to the land. You know, I have a long story. 
So if you want to hear that, uh, next come back to Boston, and then you, know, you pay me, and then I will give you a lecture. <laughs> I have thousand photos. I, you know, not only for that, I have a character discoveries and all others, and I have my own writings and others. And, and, but make long story. Here, Jewish nation was never happened before. But you know, after the AD 70, the destruction of Jerusalem, it's the beginning, and then we call the Bakokba Simons in the 132 to 35. That's the second rebellion against the Roman Empire at the time of, uh, uh, we call the um, uh, second rebellion. That's the one handful of Christians out of the uh, Jewish woods were there. They were all massacred and killed. Then after that, there is no more connection between Gentile believers and Jewish people. I think I consider it as tragedy in the world. So here, the Jewish nation began to actually uh, uh, birth it by the Bell Power Declaration, meaning that Rothschild funded to every single Jewish people coming out of the European nation, if you want to come back to the land, we call the uh, Eretz Israel, the land of Israel. And they can purchase land, whether you pay $100,000 or $1 million. So Rothschild paid the money they would purchase the land. So, there, you know, we, we have that. So, return to the land, the Eretz Israel, and then the, uh, we call the May 14 in 1948, the Declaration of Independence by the Ben-Gurians uh, was done. So, actually, this is nationhood. So, you know, the Bible says, a lot of scriptures say that, you know, someday, like nation, the of Israel, it will be declared like a sudden the mother will make a birth. The mother will bore a birth, and you know, it's like suddenly, suddenly, all of a sudden, it's like happen here. So, this is a signal we call signs in heavens and wonders on earth. And the six days was they are retaken, retaking the land of Jerusalem. This is very biblically, spiritually uh, uh, important for us because, as you know, the time clock right now, what time are we in right now? If you're looking at the time clock of Jesus Christ, if you're looking at the second advent of Christ, you have to looking at the uh, Jerusalem clock first. And the second one, you have to looking at the Palestinian clock. And then you have to looking at the world clock. You can see, like, world clock will tell you what time block, like one hour, two hour. And the Palestinian clock will say that what minutes, like 11 o'clock, 57. And then the uh, Jerusalem clock will say 11 o'clock, 57, and one second. And they will tell you. That's why you have to pay attention to the Bible. What's going on in Jerusalem? What's going on in the land of Israel? What's going on in the land of the Middle East? What's going on in the, uh, the area of the Bible that prophesied? What's going on right now? If you pay attention, you know what the Lord Jesus will come in soon and what time he will. Not, we're not sure, but we know the nearness. It's, you know, Aharin Hayani meaning is like, you know, the last days. But in Hebrew term, it's no longer last days, actually. The aharit means it's near. So let's say that Jesus is here. He's coming near. In the beginning of the last day, oh, he's coming soon. But that's coming soon. But at the end of the last day, he's coming soon, coming soon. It's near. It's not the father. It's not the father. It's near. The last day meaning is near to the coming of Christ. So we are living in a very nearness of Christ. If you don't practice nearness of the presence of Christ, you never know. 
how to encounter with Christ. You know, if you are not you are sanctified in the holiness of Christ, then you never know how to encounter with Christ. If you never have any prayer in your lifetime, and you never know how to encounter with Christ. Because if you are practicing all the time in holiness, every time you're living in holiness, every time you're sanctified, every time you're coming into the nearness of God, you know, tonight we sing, sing, sing a song, the Lord is coming into you, there is whispering power of the Holy Spirit. I sense that there is like a refreshing air of the Holy Spirit. You know, I look around spiritually and never open my eyes. Some of them are very dull. Some of them may blind. Some of them never sense. It's like, the coming of the Lord is like a time time of the dark hour when the ten virgins are waiting. Because they dip in the night. In the middle of night. They, everyone else is sleeping. You must be awake. Because you have to look at the time clock. You have to watch on. You have to be very careful. Hallelujah. You know, please be awakened. Please, be awakened right now. Tell your spirit, be awakened. Tell your mind, be awakened. Tell yourself that, let us arise once again by seeing and saying and hearing and in power because he's coming to you near. And I hope to be included you. But however, many of people omitted in his name because if you're not awake. So, Six days war is a very, you know, I have this one semester teaching class. But this one, the six days war, I have a lot of slides. But, you know, this one, third temple scenario, Jerusalem Temple Institute. The preparation of third temple. And between the Arab leagues, the Arabs confederate in ten nations, according to we call Mitraim in Egypt, and then the uh, put in Libya, and the Kok uh, in Russia, Makok in Mossack, that's Moscow, and the, uh, we call the Kotarama in Turkey, the old Hebrew words, the real happening right now. Edwardian president of the Turkey right now make the anti-Semitism, and you know, all the nations around there, something happening, that's the time clock of Jesus Christ. He's coming near. And I say that when the late declaration of the President Trump, Donald Trump, you know, done by uh, his speech in Jerusalem said that Jerusalem will be the wicked capital of Israel. I was thinking, you know, it's like a, Donald Trump is not the ethical person. I don't like him, actually. <laughs> Donald Trump is very pornographic. You know, he is the adulterous. You know, he is, he is the best liar. However, what he did is right. <laughs> That's why I'm wondering, how, the, how do I judge? You know? <laughs> For instance, this is good people. But what she said, I cannot believe. This is a bad person. But what she's doing, right. So how, how, how do I do it? Uh, that Donald Trump is like that. So I pray unto the Lord, Lord, so what's going on here? So, so what the Donald Trump is doing? And then suddenly the Bible says, like he's a Cyrus. Cyrus is Gentile. He never respects the... Uh, the God of Israel. But you know, he did every good thing for the Israel's concern. Donald Trump is not Christian, but he did every good thing for the Christians. <laughs> so I pray that he not falling into the hell someday. But if he is not going to repent, 
100% he'll be. However, if he repents, there will be opportunity for him. So, but I, will, I continue to pray for him that he will continue to maintain this the policy. Because the time clock is very near. Jerusalem need declared by Donald Trump. I want to buy Donald Trump and then, no, I don't want to put his name here. No, 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 no. No. That's not good. That's not good. So, I typed and then erased. I typed, erased seven times. Redeclaration. This is Jerusalem clock. Jerusalem clock. Not the hour, not the minutes. It's a, it's a second. It's a second. It's a very near. It's a very near. So I, I sense. How do I spend my one minute in, in this time? I'm not going to waste this time. I'm not going to waste my prayer. Like, Lord, give me money. I'm not going to waste my time. Lord, I didn't pay rent. Of course, I didn't pay rent. <laughs> I never said that. Because I want to save my time as precious one. You know, brethren, all we have, suffering, problems, and accusations, sometimes persecution. These are the words for us. If you have more accusation. Blessed you are, because you have a lot of forceful accusation for the name of Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we believe the suffering will make us to humble down before the Lord. The every trial will make us humble down before the Lord and seeking the will of the Lord. As pure and pure and pure. Hallelujah. Amen. So here, this type clock, oh, I wish I would teach this class someday. I don't know. You know, when I teach this class, some of people blinking their eyes. <sighs> Can you tell me more? Can you tell me more? And then you pay me a thousand dollars, I will teach. <laughs> <laughs> the one of the uh, the problem we have in, in our contemporary era is actually interpretation on the signs and wonders. The John Wimbers and his followers interpret the signs and wonders in the book of Acts as signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit manifestation. If you are the scholar or students of Judaism, you never say it like that. That's the greatest mistake he did. Because signs is a sign in heaven. Not sign in your body as healing power, speaking tongue in interpretation, discerning the spirit, you know, Leadership, etc. Sign in heaven meaning there is something happening. So in Jewish theology, sign in heaven is first seen in the time of ten plagues. When the Israelites started to exodus. And six signs in heaven occurred. And they know that God is there. The name of God was called at the time Deliverer, Savior. Another one, Messiah. Name of God of Israel was called Deliverer, Savior. One who delivered the Israelites out of the hands of slavery in Egypt. That's the name Savior, Messiah. So that's the sign of sign in heaven is the coming of the Messiah. And the wonders on earth. As you know, the Nile River, the every plague, four plagues from the earth. The up below, 
the river and the overflow, the wonders came out. And signalizing that the Messiah is coming, the deliverer is coming. After 10 plagues, the deliverer came. He is Moses. He was called the deliverer. So this Moses is a shadow of the Messiah. When Jesus came, the Moses was shadow. It's me. I am the greater than the Moses. And what he's saying that I'm fulfilling it. Moses is all advocate. Jesus is fulfilling it. The greater than him is Jesus Christ. Therefore, if you know the signs and wonders always interrelating the messianic coming. But when you see like healing, miracle, you know, those little things you say, these signs and wonders, no, no, the Bible never mentioned. The book of Amos spoke of the uh, Malachi, the book of Ezekiel, is talking on a lot of signs. I fairly studied on with Jewish rabbi. Oh my goodness, what am I mistaken? It's done by the European theologians because they didn't understand that the meaning of these signs and wonders. That's why they thought that healing, miracle, casting out the evil spirit, the signs and wonders. No, never, 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 never. That's wrong for interpretation. Signs and wonders are the signs and wonders for the coming of Messiah. The first place already is the first coming of Christ. And the second coming of Christ. There will be another sign and wonder. The book of Matthew, beginning from verse 1, it says that. If you hear the rumors of the world, the nation against nation, and the kingdom against kingdom, the people against the people, and the tribe against the tribes. The famines, you know, the earthquake, and natural disasters will take place. And then it says that the time is not yet. The time of tribulation is not yet. And it says that, aware my time is near. And he said that the gospel will be preached to the end of the world. That's the first time Aharit Hayanim, end of the world. Aharit Hayanim, end of the age, end of the world. Aharit Hayanim, again. That's the last days. That's the last place. That's the Aharit Hayanim. Matthew 24, 13 to 14. It's amazing by his words. The Arabic words are hard in Hayanim. I told you yesterday, Genesis 35, Deuteronomy, and I told you a lot of stories yesterday. Sometimes, well, what, what, what did Elijah talk about? I don't understand what it says. But again and again, if you replay your tape, then you may understand why I said like that. Because it's not by at once. It's a deep theology. But I'm not lying. It's truth. Every, every truth. Every truth. Because Jesus talks about Aharim Hayarim. My gospel will be preached to the end of the world, end of the time. Then he said that tribulation will come. So this sign, the tribulation, if you say the seven years, 70, 77, meaning 71 week means just simply numbering seven in Hebrew. Therefore, 77 means 70 weeks. So in time of the uh, decree done by the Cyrus, that the uh, Jerusalem will be rebuilt was actually equal to 62 weeks. And then the seven weeks first, and then seven weeks by seven, 70, 49 years, they returned to the land of Jerusalem and they rebuilt the city of Jerusalem. Then after 62 weeks, that's 77, then what happened? The actualization of coming of Christ was come. That's the 8, 32, according to Jewish calendar. 
then Gentile arrives. So there is no time calculation. So then, and then again, the gas clock will coming down when there's signs. And then you know, what when the earthquake frequently coming, when the famine is coming, when there are wars. First world war, the second world war, you know, they, 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 the things are coming. The nuclear weaponry in North Korea coming. There's a lot of stories coming. Syria, you know, you're coming, a lot of stories. And then the, the people are awakened and they know the time clock because it's a sign. And then, and then the last one week, seven year tribulation, Jacob's tribulation. That is going to happen at the end of the days. Then after the Millennium Kingdom. So therefore we believe the gospel to the end of the world, Aharit Hayarim, and the outbreak of the Holy Ghost will be happening in these last days. Likewise, the first advent, spirit came down in Jerusalem. Likewise, at the end of the last days, there will be another outbreak of the Holy Spirit. Like this thunderstorm, like a rainstorm, like the great rainstorm. And no one else can avoid the rain, but the miracle if you want to avoid the rain. So that they cannot deny the existence of God. Because they cannot stop the coming of Christ in their dream. They cannot stop the seeing the vision of Christ in their dream. And even though the, uh, by media, by screen, by hearing, all kinds, no one else can deny that they never heard the gospel. So that when they stand before the judgment throne, they can be condemned. Not because of their sin, but because of their denial. That's the one we should proclaim the gospel of the Lord to all of the world. Brethren, so now, when the nearness of coming of Christ and time of Satan is up, the time of Satan is after waning. His time is like counted, meaning like before he, was, he had 6,000 years freely. Anytime whispering, adultery come. Whispering, stealing come. Whispering, breaking family, whispering words. Satan was freed. In the last day, he'll be bounded. He'll be bounded. He will no longer power when Jesus will return to the world. Therefore, he was tempted and seduced more people, allure people all, all around the world by means of all kinds of things false doctrines, false prophecy, false manifestation, false teaching. And false learning and seeing. That's what we are seeing today. That's we have to care about our children, brethren. Our children generation. I think myself, I am I'm living in a blessed generation. Lord, thank you. That you given me more, more time that I learn Bible. Oh, thank you. But as I'm looking at the sins abundance. Like a wave of tsunami. You know, if you just turn on the computer screen, the wave of pornography, the wave of adultery, the wave of stealing, false doctrines, the, the wave of, uh, you know, sacred power in our society, in our minds, in our families. And I believe we have to make ourselves isolated from the wave of satanic power. Mm -hmm. Brethren, you never fight as a single person, but you can fight with a group. Pray for one another. 
in a hand in hand and pray for one another in group so that you can be the winner. Brethren, I believe the time of Satan is waning, diminishing, and the new world will be coming. There are a lot of people say this is conspiracy theory, the Illuminati, you know, the uh, Templars Knights and the uh, many people there, how they uh, interpret like the Illuminati with the uh, previous ring. A lot of you think that, uh, is it real? And I said the real. I say to you the real. Because a lot of things are always unseen in the curtain states. Because the people, the president of the United States, the, uh, all the famous people on stage are the actors and actresses. The producer is not seen in the state. The producer is Satan. And he will send out his replicate. What is that? Antichrist in the last days. Therefore, there will be greater seduction, greater power. And enhancing all the uh, financial power and political and your political power together. But therefore, you see European unions and Arab leagues and the, uh, we believe modern days, the NAFTA is going to be have another dimension with, we call the after NAFTA. That's Latin American and Centralists and all over. There will be new. So it's a new movement coming. I thought, wow. This is unbelievable. Please watch the time clock right now. So we are moving into the block price, meaning you know one block into the one order, and then and then we have the there is we have a common system of finance, common system of currency, common system of political order. Then later on there will be rising star coming out of the uh, uh, we call the uh, new world order. So that's the uh, coming of the um, antichrist. An increase of knowledge according to the book of Daniel, chapter 12. So we could, the, the knowledge will be added, incremental. And uh, the, the ability to enforce the mark, there will be the mark. As many of you remember, like, the, what is the 666 mark? It's coming soon. So the, I'm not telling you tomorrow. All these are today. All these are today. You are seeing it. But some people are seeing it, some people cannot see it. That's all the difference. Okay? Then the another one is rising in spiritualism. It's false doctrine, false teaching, false manifestation. So more like we have to be careful when we are yearning more coming of the Holy Spirit. Satan is not sleeping anymore. The Satan is at work. Therefore, there is always counterattack. We have to be ready. Discernible and available to counterattack when the Satan make you come back to his power. So therefore, here are these seven things here, and uh, and, and the, if you go back here, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the middle of the seven things actually. That's what I want to say. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the middle. So these are happening in the seven-day the seven-year tribulation come. So Jesus will return to the earth, uh, to the air, and then return to the earth. So that's the advent of Christ on the air first, and then to the earth. Then there, in the middle of the seven years, there is the abomination of desolation will be built on the holy mountain. 
that's what the, uh, you know, the holy mountain will be uh, destroyed. And then again, another abomination will happen. So these seven things in the middle of the uh, seven things, the offering of the Holy Spirit will happen. So we see the uh, offering of the Holy Spirit like a rainstorm in the uh, Pentecost in Jerusalem. And the monastery is like, you know, a thousand years in the world in 1,117 in the city of Lyon in France, in Longueuil. They believe in power. I you know, travel all over last year. I had tons of photos, but I'm not going to show you unless you give me money. And thank uh, you, you are not sleeping. So there are some, the forerunners of the revival, like the personal reformation, a kind of reformation, which has the, uh, the you know, new renewal movements, the Puritan awakening in, in, in Eastern Cross in America, the Moravian Pietism in 1727 in the Saxony, the in Saxony in Germany, and the first great awakening in the time of Dampton, Jonathan Edwards, and you know, the, uh, uh, John Ashley and others. The second awakening, the uh, James McGrady and the uh, uh, Battlestones and you know, the greater leaders at the time. And after the church faith followed, and uh, you see the International Prayer Awakening in New, uh, New York. That's the uh, Trans-Atlantic Revivals of both type. And then we know the Holiness and Pentecostal Revival between the 1882 and the 1920. That's the time of the, the sign of the 20th century revival. Then we have experienced 100 years. So this 100 years makes the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, in the middle of that, we, many of you know the Jesus movement. This, is, this church is very unique because the, in 19, it says in 1915, right? Uh, in 1905, the uh, uh, Messianic Jewish congregation established in this church here, the uh, Jewish. Yeah, the Jewish congregation upstairs is the oldest the Messianic Jewish congregation in the United States. Started East Baltimore about, uh, I think, 1915. 1915. Yeah, so, so I thought, I thought that's very historic. Only, only 10% people know that. So <laughs> I don't need your agreement. <laughs> because Jesus agrees. This church is very historic, I thought. So. I wish me the revive someday. It's amazing. You know, because I said Jerusalem clock, Israel clock, Middle Eastern clock, world clock. If you put it together, you can see grandeur, grand, small, and smaller in detail. You can see all the elements of the last day pictures. So the Jesus movement in the middle of days, they, this is the greatest movement for the Messianic movement. Michael Brown's, John Wilson, John Pinto, Don Pinto, the, all of the Messianic Jewish leaders converted in this time from the campus, hippie movement. So it's like side by side. When the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to Jerusalem first time in the first century, it's the beginning of the Gentiles understand the gospel like Cornelius, some of the Gentiles. See? In the end of the last days, the Gentiles will disappear. Then Jewish will coming in. There is a shifting, transitioning. 
Therefore, in this time era, you have to looking at the Jewish and Gentile together. There are some like interwoving, you know, in this time era, like Jewish nations and Gentile nations. And then as far as Gentile nations is disappearing on stage, and Jewish people left over. They go through the tribulation, and then if they repent, they become martyr. That's the word. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witness. You will be my martyrs. Martyrs. You will be my martyr. You will be dying. You will be killed. That's the word. When we believe in Christ, the many verse believe like the power of Christ as the, uh, you know, every possible key to open every door in the world. No, no, that's not the one. When we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, we are destined to die for Christ. That's Matthew. So, in this Jesus movement, it's in the middle of the uh, uh, 20th century, it's happened. So, the dawn of the 20th century, a lot of good things happening. World Revival, West Revival, in Ivan Roberts, and then in Mukti Mission, Pandita Ramabai in 1905, the, uh, in southern India, and the Jesus Revival in 1906 by the William Seymour, and the Korean Revival in Zambian Presbyterian Church in Korea in 1907. In 1903, uh, they had four years ahead of time, the One Sun Revival. In 1901, we called the Sokcho Revival. So it's Korea already had a revival previously, but however, the greatest one is Yang Dehan in 1907. And then the Mülheim Revival in Germany, we called the Peter Jonathan. Uh, from the uh, Christian town in Norway. They actually migrated into Germany, and, and there is the town itself become the Christian town. as a revival town. I was there. So then the, uh, the Brazilian revival, the Daniel Berg and Gunnar Bingrens, and the Luigi uh, Franciscan in Argentina, and also others like the Rilis Huber in Chile. So there are many others happening. Just about 10 years time period. Then also others like South Wales in Australia, and Sydney in Australia, and the Christ Church in New Zealand, and we have the Toronto and Vancouver in 1907. In 1907, also another city, and we call the Montreal. You know, all of the world. Here and there, there was like a planting seed of revival. Here and there. The people don't know. So when, by the time when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, that's the only one word you have a remark on your forehead. You are heretical. You are cultic. Because you're speaking, Tom, you know, how do you serve, you know, working together with white people and black people at Usa? Because that's a apostolic faith mission. That's the uh, Los Angeles Times saying. How dare people, the white people, black people, pray together? But, you know, in God there is no boundary. In God, there is no ethnicity. In God, there is no nationality. In God, there is no any cultural diversity. There is one unity in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Because he is breaking down the wall. Hallelujah. Amen. Christ is above all. And I believe this time period, 10 years period, he planted the seed of revival all over the globe. And while right I show you, Latin America, you know, Africa, you know, Asia, you know, 90% living in the West. Now we're seeing it, 70% of the Christians living in non-Western world, the majority world. So when you're looking at this, you know, the revival of just a pattern is for individual conversion, transformation done by the power of the Holy Spirit, Bible-centered, and then actually expectant prayer. This is the new idiom at the time. Expectant prayer meaning like 
They believe if I pray, Jesus will come soon. Because that sign, they believe like speaking tongue is sign. So when they speak in tongue, they say, okay, let's write down there. So write that down. Oh, it seems like this is Sanskrit. So they say you have to go to India. So the people, the group of people, when they write down their spiritual lettering on paper, it seems like Sanskrit, they went to India. None of them were able to communicate with any Indian. <laughs> because the Indians are, by the time, more than 300 languages there. 300 languages, Hindis and Bahamis and Pali's and Sanskrit and, you know, they all, the different one. And then some of them, the Jintao Junji, ha? So, you know, some of them say that, like that. So, the, you are speaking Chinese. So, they went to Shanghai. The group of people went to Shanghai. They tried to communicate. None of them understand the Cantonese, Mandarin, the Fijian, whatever. So, some of them returned. Because they were not able to communicate. But only the one thing is because of the expectant prayer, meaning that if I pray, the God is sending me to the avoid because Christ is coming soon. It's coming very, very, very soon. Because as sign, as I told you, the misinterpretation of signs. Misinterpretation of signs. Looking at the uh, interpretation of Apostle Paul later on. Please, please. Every time when you are wondering, don't go around, go back to the Bible. Go back to the scripture. Go back to the Bible. Looking at the Bible. Reading the Bible. And search out every meaningful word from the Bible. No other than any interpretation, you will be wrong. So people will just pray, and you know, they're at the small group meeting as the Bible study done, and then a dynamic morality, actually, that's the greatest one. And joyful, informal, that you know, there is no any uh, worship agenda, there is no any uh, representative prayer, there is no any uh, vocal singing, because the uh, white people, Hispanics, some of Chinese represent according to uh, the, you know, uh, uh, the. Uh, uh, genealogy says, and then uh, a chronology, not the genealogy, and then, you know, there are others, uh, mostly African-Americans there. So that's informal, but when the Holy Spirit comes, suddenly, like a whirlwind again, the people repent and cry out, and they confess their sin publicly. You know, it's not easy. There many times I think about the revival. In a Korean case, in 1907, in Chang the Presbyterian Church. You know, the Methodist and Presbyterian United Bible Conference were held uh, in Pyongyang. And uh, the beginning of the, uh, the first of January, they started the prayer, the nothing happened. The first week happened, no, nothing happened. So they extended one week more. It was second week, so 11 days, 12 days. On the 13 days, they have felt a strong presence of the Holy Spirit. When you're singing, Pay attention all the time when you are singing. Because when Apostle Paul in Philippi with a sila, when Apostle Paul with a sila, when he sang, remember, angelic was coming down. You know, this is my major experience. When I pay attention to singing, and when I am singing, just only thinking about Christ. It's suddenly like the presence of the Holy Spirit is coming. Therefore, brethren, be aware of the nearness of Christ. 
<laughs> I thought that the broadcasting is from the uh, CNN, you know. Okay, thank you. Is that correct? <laughs> Just joking. So what happened? Truly the empowerment is happening. So this, the, the elements of the uh, Pentecost in Jerusalem happened in Ajusa. So as I compare like uh, Ivan Roberts' Welsh revival, I compared Pandita Lama by Southern India and Mukti Mission, and also we call Kashia revival in 1905 in Northern India. Uh, in 1907, Korean revival in Jang then Presbyterian Church. And same thing happened. But all of this, please don't miss this one. Because in Korea, in, on the 13th of January, nothing happened, but they sense strong presence of the Holy Spirit. And then uh, nobody spoke. Because they know the same things in, in August 13, in 1727. When the Moravian brethren had the same things, because they are struggling, disputing about leadership, they are fighting on one another, and they say that let's calm down, no speak, let's have time of prayer. So that was 13th of August, same thing happened. Everyone have felt like a heavy layer of presence. Heavy layer of the presence. Can, can you imagine heavy layer of the holy, heavenly presence? How many of you remember not right? Not like a sponge-like. It's a heavy layer of presence of God. How many of you remember? How many of you experienced like heavy layer of the presence? You know, that's why the lady who did in prayer a while ago, she experienced a while ago because suddenly it struck by the heavy layer of the Holy Spirit. She was trampled because she cannot, she cannot against it. Because the heavy layer coming down and you fall down. You know, you don't understand why I am falling down. Because of the presence. So August 13, in 1727, in Herrenhurst in Saxony, in Germany, everyone fell down. That's why, you know, it's like <laughs> the sniper from heaven. The hitman is Christ. Second hitman is the uh, arch, arch angel. <laughs> so that's why German describe about the experience hysteric, mysterious, out of sense, not understandable. How many of you understand when the Holy Spirit comes to you? It's chaotic. At the church in Jerusalem, in the beginning, it's chaotic. I cannot bear. I wish every day Holy Spirit come to me like that. <laughs> no matter you be accusing me, no, 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 Elijah is out of sin. No, okay, I'm okay. Lord, I want to dance like David. Because David, he's not aware his bent was not enough <laughs> to make any body. So that's the first time the naked dance in the world. <laughs> See, it's chaotic. Korea, same things like on the 14th. The one man stood up, his name is Kirsonju. 
It came out of the crowd and they say that I cannot bear my secrecy. A friend of mine hired $100. By the time the $100 in Korea are able to purchase four big houses. And he gave, he's the friend of him, gave the last will to maintain the property and give it to his widow. And then some of the commission he took. And the Holy Spirit rebuked the sin behind what he hid. He came out of there, please forgive me. He repented. And then, this is one of the things, one husband is a suit of any come. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I am just like inbound by hellfire because I commit adultery to this lady. I commit this adultery. What? A, B, C, D, E, F. And then his wife is there. Can't you be there? Sunja, Mija, Yongja. And Catherine. Sophia. And then I commit adultery with the beautiful lady, Madonna. And the lady, okay, no more. <laughs> so he was confessing what he committed adultery. And then his wife is weeping and crying. And she came forward to the podium and said that, Lord, forgive my sins. Every time I know my husband commits sins with Sunja, Yongja, Visa, Catherine, and others, I hated him, O oh Lord. Forgive my hatred. She repented. You know, true reconciliation took place. This is the worship we are desiring. Tomorrow, every church, every single church in America, I pray, the spirit of repentance will fall down. I pray that a heart will be broken. I pray that every prayer will not be like liturgical. I pray that every praise and worship is not in musical tone. But everyone in accordance in the unison of the Holy Spirit. And in pouring down in the power of the Holy Spirit. And in saying to the Lord, Lord, forgive my sin. I'm a sinner, the Lord, forgive my sin. And after forgiveness done by Christ, release of the freedom, release of delivery, so that we can freely worship that I wish that worship will come in through coming to every American church. Amen. That's what I expect. Actually, I just revival experience same thing. So here they repentance. So then did they expect the uh, second coming of Christ. Then here, because of that we see the classical Pentecostal movements begun by Ajusa, although there are others. So the uh, previous one, the Methodist Holiness Revival and the Catholic Greek movements and Holiness Camp meeting in the uh, done by uh, D.L. Moody and others, John Morton, you know, so many others, and Pentecostal movement, charismatic. And then this one is the today, the contemporary, third wave and others. So here today, the main waves, the first wave, the Pentecostal is beginning from the uh, dawn of the uh, 1900s, and the charismatic among the main denominations. 
and the third wave is among the independent churches and others, and the charismatic fire from the first wave, the classical, the charismatic vineyard, the signs and wonders, the miracles, the encounter with the Christ, and spiritual warfare, and then others. You know that, yeah, because I want to skip that. So here, the Peter Wagner did, John Amber, and Gordon Fear, you know, actually, uh, there are Jack Tears, and I'm not pro or anti, I'm saying it. Because more important things that I want to share, the Charles Craft in a fuller seminary and Wayne Grodem, the uh, theologians of the uh, systematic theology and the John Piper. They all they believe in the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So, signs and wonders, they believe in the third wave, the healings, miracle, tongues, the speaking tongues, speaking other tongues, and the slain in the spirit, the prophecy, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the dreams and visions, and spiritual warfare. And they believe the praise and worship and the sense of the immediate presence. This is a signs and wonder. I told you, the Bible never said that signs and wonders like that. <coughs> signs and wonders. Signs in heaven. Wonders on the earth. Are the signal of the coming of Messiah. So believe. Today, Costellian changes. Today we see universal changes, global warmings, you see, earthquakes, famines, the wars. Can't you see that? All signs, wonders. We are living in this time era. So here, brethren, neo-apostolic movements. And in this one, me personally, I totally disagree with this group. However, there are some cases you have to take a look. So, I want to skip that. <laughs> Thank you for your understanding whether I hear or not. So, I want to go back 2,000 years difference. The beginning of the Jerusalem Pentecost, nowadays, today. Today, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If you're looking at the Jerusalem model, Holy Spirit came down like a fire, like a wind, like a tongue of fire, like an earthquake, like a manifestation. You know, Holy Spirit coming down, not in one single element. He coming into our hearts. Even Ajusta revival, it's not one day. Even Korean revival, is not one day. It's not in Mukti Mission one day. It's not in one day in Chilean revival. You know, there is a lot of waiting time. Because church should pray for coming of revival. Amen. You know, the many churches not praying for coming of revival. Because one time touch will everlasting. Because one touch in Jerusalem never changes. Because one touch in your heart will give you everlasting experience. You know, that element that you have to power the Holy Spirit is called empowerment. So here today, the repentance, the birth and baptism in the Holy Spirit sanctification took place. And the birth of church as organism, not as organization or institution, then this happened, prayer, discipleship, training, and fellowship in communal life, working together. But the another one you see here today, the natural process of quantitative and qualitative growth. Many of us turn down the order of the Pentecost. We learn in the seminary how to make church grow. We learn in the institution how we learn the theology of the Western. We learn the academism and the institution of the secular. 
So we beginning from upside down actually. We learn a lot of things. Ministers and pastors and the lay leaders never experienced empowerment. The ministers and Christian leaders had the disciples trail, never had an empowerment to the Holy Spirit. There is always the wonderful disciple training all over the world. They never have any true disciple because there is no empowerment. There is all the time Bible study. There is all the time the fellowship. There is all the time the small group meeting. There is all the time of the cell group meeting. There is all the time of disciples training. There is all the time that you have the wonderful learning. But you are no longer powerful person as witnessing any crest to the nation. Why? There is no power. Jerusalem is not done by discipling, prayer movement, not by the worshiping community, not done by any others. They started and when they received power of the Holy Spirit. Every single church or not, start from the receiving power of the Holy Spirit. That's our beginning point. Even the children, we have to pray for them. So the spirit will come upon their life. So that they can live in the power of the Holy Spirit. In our life, not from the learning. Our life, not from the fellowship. Our believers come in starting from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the beginning of the church. But we always messed up. We always misorder up. We sometimes mix up all order in chaos. How many of you believe the coming of the Holy Spirit is the first? Amen. You know, Spirit of the Lord is the first. Then we can start discipleship training. Then we can start prayer group. Then we can start evangelism. But naturally. So this order Everything, but the Bible says, fire, wind, tongues of fire, earthquake, manifestation. Five things. This one alone, sorry, this one alone, one semester course. <laughs> and then, you'll have newly eye-opening. Oh, thank you, Lord. I didn't understand what you said in the Old Testament about it. Big, big, big eye-opening. So here the brethren, and then after that, if the Jerusalem Pentecost the beginning point, nowadays global-wide expansion of the Holy Spirit is finishing work. We are living in the last era. We are going to finish up this last point, final line. So therefore, we see the global offering of the Holy Ghost here. Number one, what Apostle Paul said according to his interpretation. Now what you are seeing, coming of the Holy Spirit, like winds and fire, the earthquake, and you know, the, uh, you know, you see the uh, world and the Holy Spirit manifest among them. He said that this is according to Prophet Joel in the Aharit Hayarim, Matthew 3, 4, 13. In gospel to be preached to the Aharit Hayanim, in Jacob's troubles, in the Aharit Hayanim, in the, uh, the, the every last days, in the Aharit Hayanim, there will be fulfillments, last fulfillments of the prophecy in the Bible. 
The first advent of Christ, only 30% accomplished. Still, Old Testament, 70% of prophecy are waiting to be fulfilled. Only 30%, not 50%. That's yesterday what I wanted to show. All the scriptures. This is more important. Because the first advent is the beginning. Second advent is the fulfillment and completion. Therefore, we believe here today, he said that, Acts 22, chapter 17, the supernatural walk will be normalized. If you see the wonders on earth, if you see the signs in heaven, if you see the miracles, all things, oh, that's common. Someone said, this is a miracle. Oh, we need a superpower super doctor. We need, you know, the uh, Harvard Medical School. But Jesus is more than the Harvard Medical School. You know, these supernatural things will be normalized. That's in the last days. How many of you believe in the power and dream today? Signs and wonders. Not signs of miracle. Not the ones of the healing. Signs in heaven. Wonders on earth will be proclaimed. Then the last day's harvest will come. So that's the Acts 2.21. Then the Yeshua HaMasiah, Jesus Christ, will be exalted among the nation. All the nations, like, knowing Christ as the Lord of the Lord and King of Kings. It will be like a water in the ocean. And then we will sing, Oh, Yeshua HaMasiah, He is the Lord of the Lord and King of Kings. So the, every single verse is that I want to read, but I want to skip that, brethren. So tonight, I want to have this uh, one last moment. Uh, here, uh, the Dr. John Lee, uh, and here, I can say thank you, Dr. John, and uh, there are several others. Yesterday, I shared with Reverend Q. Kim, Washington, this area, is like my spiritual homeland. Because when I came first time Boston, I realized first time the second generation of Korean community, although there are others, that the offering Holy Spirit I had never experienced before in any other community or any other society before. So here, then you know, I think the back in, in 2007, and Grace Retreat, and I Rockville Presbyterian Church and others, and then here this is like such a wonderful area. And then after 10 years I returned here. Then, still you maintain. The last time I went into the church, Pastor John Lee, and today here, this is the Hope Church. Same elements of the presence of the Holy Spirit will maintain here. Brethren, consider you are precious here. Because you have greatest opportunity here to hear. And even more, you have the wonderful opportunity to pray together. And I pray tonight that you just yearn for one more touch. Second touch of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, it's not enough yesterday touch. Amen. It's not enough the uh, 10 years ago. <laughs> so can't we imagine once again second touch tonight? Amen. But I wish many more will go home quickly. But however, if you remain, just pray more. Hallelujah. So there's no end. Hallelujah. Amen. So when the praise and worship team will come, and then, you know, so we'll start to pray. pray. So, yeah.